Hi, you're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hi, folks. Uh, this is Shekhar Raman again at The Retail Perch along with our co-host, uh, Gary. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? Great. Great, Shaker. Great to be with you again. Looking forward to a uh, really interesting discussion today. Yes, yes. Uh, today we happen to have another very special guest with us, somebody that Gary and I have known for a few years, but uh, somebody who's very well respected in the industry, has a long, illustrious career, and is doing some pretty exciting things. So I want to welcome onto the show at the Retail Perch, Nir Pilo. Hi, Nir. How are you doing? I'm great. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for hosting me today. Nir, why don't you take it off? Just give us a little quick background about where you came from, your your career so far, and then uh, you know we'll go from there. Sure. I think just a, a fun fact where I started my career in loyalty and how, how Gary is actually connected to it. So how do I get introduced to Gary in the first time without him actually knows me? So somewhere, you know, it was around 2008. Uh, I was the Angular product manager at Retalix, uh, which is a retail software company in Israel that later on acquired by NCR. So back in 2008, Retalix was building uh, the loyalty solution. And the former product manager decided to leave the company. His name was uh, Saul Simon. I think, Gary, you know him, right? Oh, yes, quite well. <laughs> Saul Simon was, was a, great, uh, a great leader and uh, leave a great legacy behind him. He was a pioneer in his uh, field. So before he left the company, he gave us a book. And the book was named Customer Intelligence. Thank you familiar with it now. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> so actually, I don't know if you see here, behind me, I have actually the three books of Gary. You know, once I get to know Gary and work with him, it was very exciting. Uh, it needs to say that many of our patterns in the customer analytics system that we developed was uh, based on that book. Uh, it's an analytics system that works uh, even until today and great patterns that anyone should know about them, you know, when talking about customer loyalty. Just to interrupt you for a second, Nir, I, I think it's worth calling out to the audience that it was really Retalix and Retalix loyalty that really powered up the whole space for uh, certainly supermarket retail, right? I mean, yeah. yours was the first uh, system and solution that really enabled retailers to not only you know, collect all this information, uh, be able to analyze it, gain insight from it, and then take action on it, you know, all yeah. in a live environment back through that transaction uh, at checkout. So, you know, remains incredibly powerful. Yes, it was uh, very innovative back then when uh, Retalix has a lot of customer, you know, starting from the point of sale. But then when you start building on those building blocks, like the point of sale and the transaction and start giving a system like a loyalty system and they're interconnected very easily. So it was also very easy for retailer to, to pick you and choose you and rely you on the, on the trust you earned during the years. But then you have the momentum of many retailers working with your system. Then you have a lot of experience gains into the product. So it's a multiplier in terms of the amount of feature, functionality, and customers all around the globe that at the end of the day, all of that knowledge concentrate into one place. And I think this was a, an amazing journey, you know, in the last 20 years at least. Yes. 
the fact that you guys know each other for many years ago and I guess in some way influenced each other's uh, paths. That's that's pretty amazing. So, mm-hmm. so Nir, you you've been with Retalix and NCR for close to what twenty years, is that right? Yeah, almost twenty years. <laughs> so, tell us a little, little bit more. I mean, what, what did you do there after two thousand eight? You know, how did you obviously worked with some major clients uh, around the world with, on loyalty? Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experiences. So basically, I started as a, an engineer on somewhere around 2000 and passed my way to lead R&D teams with many different products in the retail industry. My primary job, you know, at the beginning was like a software management for a inventory management and then kind of ERP solution for the convenience store. On 2008, I was offered to take uh, the ownership on the loyalty product in Retalix, uh, which was very exciting time back then because uh, it was something with a lot of demand in the market, you know, in terms of loyalty. And since 2008 and later on down the road on 2012, Retalix loyalty product awarded by Gartner as part of their CRM landscape research as number one product in the market in terms of loyalty functionality and what it can bring to the market and the number of retailers that we work with. So this was a, a great recognition to an amazing team, uh, which uh, at the end of the day developed the product. Somewhere around that time, Retalix acquired by NCL. I served in different product management position and, and also relocate to Atlanta. This is why I'm not talking to you from Israel. I'm actually mm-hmm. in the United States for the last four years. And at the peak time in NCR, I was ended up a director of loyalty solution across NCR industries in retail, hospitality, and banking, and part of the next generation platform back then responsible on customer data and a promotion and loyalty service, which was like a microservice type of platform that NCR developed. The loyalty solution we developed uh, deployed across many of tier one retailers like uh, AS Watson, Coles, Woolworth, Rite Aid, Safeway, Speedway, and many, many more great retailers. Uh, I don't think I have time to mention all of the names that we're working, you know, with, we're working with hundreds of retail uh, retailers across thousands of stores and running millions of customers each day. This was a great journey for me and basically be part of a very talented team with did a lot of effort uh, and working in NCR up until today. Wow. So you pretty much you've seen loyalty and promotion engines kind of grow globally across multiple retail verticals. Yes. And it was very exciting. The thing about uh, retailers and retailers that each retailer you came across by is very unique, right? At the end of the day, yes, everybody, you know, have a point of sale and they're selling, but if you are looking at the technology and the business challenges that each one present to you, it's really unique. And also in different jails and different countries, you have different, uh, different challenges. And our uh, challenge was how you try to remain a product and uh, not to uh, go into a very customized solutions that at the end of the day will take the product apart. And this was the big challenge, how you take all of that and push it into a nimble product that, you know, keep a strong architecture. And, and you know, we, we had a lot of <laughs> sleepless nights because of that, but it was worth it. So, near, uh, you know, working with many tier one retailers markets around the world, I got to believe gave you 
some unique insight into challenges and, and you know, some of the headaches these retailers faced as they went down this loyalty journey. It, you know, looking back on that, what do you think were or maybe probably continued to be the, the couple big challenges retailers face? So this is a great question, Gary. And let me start by a story. It's remind me when I started my early career as a developer somewhere around 2002. Uh, I was working in the office at night. It was 2 a.m. at clock. I, was, I wasn't married. I had all of the time in the world to, to make my career. Uh, I, do, I did some coding for uh, inventory management software. And then uh, at 2 o'clock at night, the COO is coming to the office. His name was Avinoam. Uh, our eyes met through the windows and, and he came to say hi. Uh, and we started to chat. And I was asking him, you know, as, as a very young uh, person in my early career, how do you manage this balagan? Balagan is a Hebrew word for mess because, you know, you're <laughs> working with many customers and right. each one has its unique perspective. And as a younger developer, it was intriguing me, you know, the way leaders work uh, with customer and manage the day to day. So, he said to me, it's not about managing, it's about minimizing the mess. And uh, this was like uh, enlightening to me, you know. And, and I think it's also true to retailer. I mean, retailer has a lot of systems. They're trying to come fast to the market. You know, many of them, you can see, you know, legacy point of sale that you're building patch and patch. And you cannot come in one day and just replace the technology because it doesn't work like that. Not from expenses, not from time to market. So you need to maximize the value and, and try to make the most out of it. Sometimes you have to refresh, but uh, you always try to, to be creative. And this is one of the things that we actually saw with retailers and we, uh, we, we, we kind of bring with our loyalty solution. So, in the last years, I would say in the last even 10 years, the ultimate goal of retailer was to evolve into a retail omnichannel, right? While many do that, they found some limited constraint in the ability to make change and execute. So think about many companies that had able to bring click and collect functionality, bring the e-commerce, point of sale, self-checkout devices, and make them work together. While it looks great from the outside, when you go back to the technology and the architecture, you find out that it's not as, you know, as nice as it, as it looks because those components are most likely are built up from different technologies, different vendors. Some of them are homegrown and, you know, the promotion engine, the price engine, the tax engine, all of those components, either monolithics in one component and when you want to make a change mm. it's a nightmare right. so the business want to make a change and then the time to market the cost of change just eliminating retailers to to make the change in an efficient time and this is what creates frustration so not only that they are limited with the change because if the e-commerce can do something in the point of sale cannot do it or vice versa retailer will prefer to give the same seamless experience across the right. channel rather right. to try to operate a different feature. And, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, uh, in, in, our, in our time, this is not working anymore. The business is very powerful. The competition is fierce, so they want to act fast. 
And many times when uh, we had to find a way how to enable the retailers without doing like a full refresh to all of those components. So what we did basically, and this is what we evolved during the year, we actually able to decouple the promotion and loyalty engine, which is one of the most maybe complicated. It has thousands of scenarios. It has thousands, you know, hundreds of sources that is coming in. Think about manufacturer coupons. Think about merchandise promotion, marketing promotion, loyalty discount. How you get all of that richness into a single engine, operate it, and at the end of the day, explain to the customer what he actually got in the ticket. How you make conflict optimization, stacking, refund processes, all of that, it's something that we were able to put in the promotion and the engine. So if you're looking on the challenge of retailers, one of the things, you know, when you come to a tier one retailer, he may have, he may acquire a company and, uh, and now we have two brands with two different technology, two different mm. e-commerce. Sometimes they have it in the same brand, different technology because they have franchisee. Right. Sometimes he has fuel station and grocery. So most likely we will find two different points of sales with different technology, different IT and so on. And the retailer thinks about, you know, they cannot replace all of that, how they can find the common denominator that at the end of the day, not only will give them value, but extending the life of the point of sale without doing a refresh to the hardware or the software. Because bear in mind, <laughs> many of those you will find that the hardware is very low. So you cannot right. put a great technology. Sometimes you find, for example, IBM point of sale, which is limited in extensibility. So there is many, many, many challenges. And what we did during this year is that we were able to take the promotion engine and loyalty with all of the knowledge we gained from retailers. It's actually decoupled from the point of sale and you can connect it to any point of sale out there. It can be also a location agnostic. So it means that it can run on the point of sale. It can run on, on, a, the, on the store level. It can run on the cloud. And you can operate your point of sale from, you know, from any, anywhere you want to gain this functionality. So it's, it was very flexible, a very kind of location and hardware agnostic. And at the end of the day, it aggregates all of the promotion sources, manufacturer, coupon, merchandise, marketing, loyalty, discount, and did all of the calculation to give you, you know, at the end of the day, a single result. Now, mm. the big thing about that, is that when you make, you know, there is a saying like you build once and you maintain forever, right? Right. So the big thing about that is that the maintenance, if you want to make a change, you do it basically only in one place. And this was the, the amazing thing around that. Mm, so yeah. kind of like a centralized maintenance. Uh, exactly. One place to fix and maintain everything. So, I mean, I can, I can imagine that must have... That's pretty big because, you know, now you're easing the whole process of managing an enterprise. You may have disparate POS systems, but they're all, it's kind of like all the rivers are flowing into the ocean and, you know, this central engine is managing all of that data and executing all of those things. And the yeah. point of sale is simply just validating the transaction, right? But it's yeah. that's, that's basically what we're talking about, having a point of sale system that is doing just that, which is scan and validate transactions against a promotion engine that's sitting in the cloud. And yes. I, I, th I think that's a big call out for a lot of retailers, right? That they need to change how they think about 
promotion delivery and their POS systems and so on, and you know, get their head around the idea that they need to have a promotion engine that is separate and apart from their POS systems, from their e-commerce systems, uh, you know, other omni-channel points of contact with the shopper that can be one point of managing all these promotions as near as called out, flowing in from, you know, digital coupons and brand manufacturers, right. merchandising, marketing, other parts of the organization. Yeah. So Nir, do you, do you see a distinction between how, you know, let's say tier one, tier two, and the smaller independents behave when it comes to loyalty and promotion? I mean, have you seen distinctions there? I think, uh, you know, by the way, I heard your podcast with Ron Bonacci, which I really admire as well. During the retail, it was a great endorsement for our loyalty solution back then, I think, on, on KVAT. Right. And it was, you know, I would say kind of a mid-sized retailer that did really amazing stuff with, with the loyalty around coupon marketing and coupon printing and segmentation. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, we were able to deliver our technology to mid-sized and big retailers. But uh, the main distinction that I see in terms of, you know, the, the leaders, the tier one in the market, the big one, and they're all about, you know, best of breed. So they were able to get the best of breed of any system. So get the campaign management, the best system in campaign management, in machine learning, and our promotion and loyalty product, the point of sale, and they were able to invest and, and make the connection to make it the most beneficial for them. For the smaller retailer, I would say, I mean, it's how to invest in the best of breed. So they would try to get to maximize working in one vendor and to maximize all of the capabilities that he has. Mm. And there will be some trade-off out of that. And sometimes, you know, some of the small retailers also, because they cannot invest in separating the promotion engine from the e-commerce they choose and so on. So they will find ourselves at the end of the day from architectural perspective, some kind disparate in terms of technology. And at the end of the day, also they will have probably some limitation across that, you know, across the year when they, when they evolve. Mm. So this is the primary thing they see. The most one, the tier retailer that we work, that we work with where put a lot of budget at the end of the day on the side, just not only to purchase the product, but also, I mean, the most uh, successful retailer also actually invested in, in our product. So they actually put a core team, they spent people and money just to develop features for themselves. Wow. By that, they are not only gaining product functionality that was involved from other retailers, but they were also able to speed up their processes inside and get whatever they want from, from the product, obviously in a productized way. And the use case that we saw that was one of, uh, I think, the enlightening of my career is at the end of the day, and uh, we had a customer, A.S. Watson, which a friend of mine is working there. His name is Zohad, which was a great contributor to the success of what uh, happened there. And at the end of the day, it was product that was flowing, I think, more than 20 countries uh, from, you know, a single environment operating in an omni-channel fashion, both e-commerce and the point of sales and the checkout devices. And wow. each country is independently working 
uh, alone, it could be hundreds of transactions per second working on, on the e-commerce at the end of the day. This was just showing how you get, you know, one product that's able to work in multiple geographies with multiple regulation, if you, if you may like, with multiple loyalty discount into one place in an omnichannel fashion. Now think about if they don't have this product and each country has to do separate alone right. or different technologies. So it just, it's a multiplier. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, we, we, in our show, we talk a lot about innovation and disruption and uh, retail is famously or infamously not necessarily the fastest to adopt latest technologies, you know, for obvious reasons, because they don't want to change as much. From your perspective, what have you seen? You know, you obviously you've seen new tech and new processes come up at NCR and Retalix, and sometimes retailers are not as fast to adopt and innovate. Right. And what do you see as blockers that, that you think has stopped from them from doing that? First of all, I want to say that I also saw many retailers that are amazingly creative and did really amazing things. And I think at the end of the day, you know, when, when you meet retailers and, and even other companies in different industries, you know, at the end of the day, many of them are, when you look from the face value, they're doing something with innovation. Right. And and th there is a couple of things to, to that. First of all, I would say, you know, you know, innovation is a game of numbers. The more you do, the more you fail, the more you learn from it, and you become a better, better learner at the end of the day. So and you need to be quick quickly get in time to market because if you have an innovative idea and, and you wait half a year, probably someone already taken care of. Think about innovation, it's taken to grow for many couple of years. Think about your startup in Birdseye, right? You have a great idea, great innovation, but it takes time to grow at the end of the day, mm -hmm. to enter the market. But I want to talk on that from a different point. I would say that at the end of the day for innovation, you need to unleash the creativity, make it easy, make the innovation accessible from your age of the organization. At the end of the day, innovation is about inspiration coming from continuous listens, listening for unexpected right. you know, people across the organization. It can come from any time and anywhere. And, and the question is, at the end of the day, first, how you cultivate this innovation, how you take these all good ideas across of your organization that actually knows the field, knows the customer, and able to do something with that. The idea, I think, is when I put, you know, one finger, and there is many, and it's like a secret sauce, but when I put one finger on what happens in, in, in retailers, it's about the retail organization and retail architecture. And I can talk about it a little bit more. This is like one principle out of many. The retail organization and retail architecture, in most cases, are complicated. You know, they're highly regulated. The time to implementation is long. You know, I have a customer that said, you know, to release a version to the store cost me $60,000 and it's take me half a year. You know, when you're measuring innovation and you want to implement something and you have an idea and you know that you need to wait half a year, a year and work on all of the gatekeepers in the mm. organization just to understand you and say yes, most likely you will not get the idea out of the gate. Right, right, right. right. Not only you're not going to get the idea out of the gate, you most likely will forget it before you want even to, to do something <laughs> with it. Yeah, right, yeah. So yeah. the pace of innovation is slow. 
I don't say they're not innovating, but it's slow. From number perspective, maybe it's slow numbers than a lot of numbers to do innovation because as many as you try, most likely in one of them you succeed. Right. But you need to try a lot. Innovation right. is how. Right. And there are many reasons why to prioritize in projects on top of anything else. I had customers said, you know, I really like to do the project, but I have an EMV to take away. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And, and the innovation is more likely dictated by the competition that enforces you to keep pace with the market right. rather than experiment rapidly and continuously. Correct. So I think, uh, you know, again, uh, many retailers are innovating, but the question is how much, how they're cultivating the innovation to make it, you know, more of a game of numbers. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, I guess to summarize, you're saying, so innovation is a game of numbers. You need to be able to, you know, iterate quickly and, you know, somehow get your ideas into market. You, you know, without failure, you really can't succeed at innovation. Kind yeah, of seems right. contradictory, but that's kind of like the foundation of innovation, right? Is you need to have quick failures, learn quickly, iterate quickly and bring it to market. And, and I guess that requires a change in the culture and the retail organization about going out. And, you know, we've talked to some retailers on our podcast and, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily easy to change the culture of a retail organization towards innovation. It can take some time. But, you know, I guess what you're saying is it's worth it because once you do it, then it's easy to bring that innovation process internal and bring it to market. Yeah, you know, I think they're all terrific, terrific points. And I, and I can't wait to talk about in the next podcast about uh, your experience now. I know, uh, Nir, so you moved on from NCR Retalix to... AWS now, correct? You've been with AWS now a couple of years, all right? Yes. Unfortunately, I left the, the retail industry. It was a hard decision for me. And <laughs> that I, asked to, I had to negotiate with myself, why should I do that? However, I can say that uh, I think I gave my time to the retail industry, which I really like. And I decided to pursue something, you know, more uh, kind of technical in the cloud. And, and obviously, I left to... AWS. I mean, it's been fantastic talking to you about retail. I can't wait to talk to you about the next subject. Uh, so folks who listen to this episode, just hang on. The next episode, we're going to talk to Nir a little bit more about what he's been doing at AWS, how innovation works at Amazon. There's going to be a whole bunch of really interesting and exciting stuff. But Gary, you want to add anything before we close? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, Nir, thank you. This has been great. I, I think you brought up a number of things really interesting and valuable to you know our audience here from your experience at NCR uh, heading the whole loyalty initiative there for many years and I agree I, I think the next uh, podcast here focused on innovation and really uh, culture and how you embrace innovation like AWS does is going to be really fascinating. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, if you're listening and you're a retailer or a solution provider or a consulting organization, whatever it is, I think there's going to be a lot to learn from the next episode based on what uh, we, the brief chat that we had earlier with Nir. So hang on. Um, so folks, we'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.